Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, whoo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators up. Breakfast toast is ready to be served on a Monday morning. It's Monday morning with the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino, and it's the weekend recap time. And listen, as always, during a football season, Emil, there is much to get to in this jam-packed action hour of the Gridiron Stud Show. I would say it was a big weekend. A lot of, it was a lot of things went down. It was indeed a big weekend. Certainly uh, a big one in college football, certainly better than week number two where we had a bunch of ho-hum matchups. There were some matchups that were, uh, you know, much anticipated, and uh, some things went the way ex- as expected, and then others not so much, Emil. The big, the big talk about college football this past weekend was what the hell went on in Louisville with number two, Florida State, against number 10, Louisville Cardinals. Why don't you I'll tell us what happened? Explain. You go ahead. You coined the term. What, what, what um, happened there? What listen, happened? To, what, I, what happened to Florida State? What were they? Patty whacked. Absolutely, That's right. Patty whacked. Okay. <laughs> the final score, which was sixty-three to twenty, doesn't even tell the story. If that, if there is such a thing, Florida State came up with a couple of late touchdowns to, um, if clean it up, if you could even say that. This was a 63-7 to football game, 56-7. I, I mean, I can't even make sense of this all. I do know this. Florida State fans are calling Lamar Jackson baby Jesus. This is what they want us well, all to believe. I will say this, though, about Jackson. You know, every year in college football, it seems like there's one or two guys that are just better than everybody else, especially offensively and even defensively, for that matter. He seems like one of those guys to me. I watched that game Saturday. He just seems like one of those like he's just better than everybody. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's early on in the season, 
and uh, you know there's much football to be played. But three games in, he's looking like uh, the uh, a runaway in the Heisman Trophy. But I do have reason to pause here because last year, after three games, everyone was ready to put the crown on the head of uh, Leonard Fournette, and then things changed somewhere in the middle of the season. So we still got a lot of football to oh, get yeah. to. Oh, yeah, no, 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 we got to. But right now you have to say that he just looks like he's out there playing the game at a different speed than everybody else. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was apparent early. Um, but, listen, it's just it's just absolutely crazy what he did in this game. I'm going to start off like this, though. We watched Florida State on Labor Day taking on Ole Miss, and in that first half, Ole Miss was on their way to putting a good 50, 60 points on Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what happened at, at halftime. Maybe it was Jameis' speech or just a momentum-changing play early in that third quarter, but Florida State was able to stem the tide, get their act together, get back in the game, and not only get back in the game, but um, come back and win it. But that first right. half looked like the first half they got against Louisville. And so this begs the question, Lamar Jackson, good. No, no doubt about it. If you know anything about the game of football and you watched him play, you know he's a talent. But what's the deal at Florida State? It looks like after this Louisville game, Florida State was more that first half against Ole Miss than they were that second half. What's going on in Tallahassee? Well, I think, you know, you kind of – been better especially in the nfl at this over the years because you don't have a team but even in college mm-hmm. i think somehow somewhere along the line you've been able to separate your your fandom of your team um and, mm-hmm. and as i get older i'm getting a little bit better at that myself fans want to let their eyes trick them i think most fans if they weren't watching a team that they either love or hate if they were just presented with something to watch and ask for their opinion most good fans could give you an honest opinion, but I think they let their eyes trick them, and they want to convince themselves that what they're seeing isn't happening. That first game, Florida State, I mean, if you were just sitting back not a Florida State lover or hater and you watch that game, you said, hey, there's a red flag here. Now, they can clean some of this up. It's the first game of the year. But there's some things we should be, like you're saying, uh, you know, cognizant of. And I think it's yeah. just, it, what you saw is basically what you get for some reason – that defense is not playing to, to its ability level. Because, again, you're going to have – I say this every show, because every, usually this happens in college, not as much in the pros. Mm-hmm. Every Monday there's a team in college that has something like this happen where you know and I know, looking at their roster and kids they've recruited, it shouldn't be happening. I mean, there's no way you're going to convince me, I don't care how good Lamar Jackson is, that Florida State number one – should allow 63 points, and Florida State number two should only be able to score seven for basically three and a half quarters against Louisville. Not, not based yeah, on uh, talent. There's no way. <laughs> it it started early, Emil. Uh Louisville, with their first drive, just walked it right down the field. It was shades of what I saw last year when I attended the Clemson University of Miami football game, sat there in the stands, watched Clemson, uh, walked their way right down the field on the first drive, and then there was just no recovery from there. You, you know, and I, there, I think there's something to be said for you know a team you're about to play has a dynamic offense. You spent all week putting together a pretty good game plan, and for all your planning, first drive they come out and walk it right down the field. It's a serious blow, and you know, like I said, uh, Clemson, similar to Louisville um, last year, came out there. Deshaun Watson. 
Uh, I don't even think they faced a third down in that first drive, walked it right down the field, touchdown, and then it was like it was on from there. It was almost like it never had a chance. Well, it seemed like that was the same deal for Florida State on Saturday. But it kind of played the, – the two sides played off one another in this sense. I mean, Louisville's going to play fast. They're going to run a lot of plays. Uh, that happens. But what really concerns me on top of this, obviously, you don't have to be a football genius. You know, our wives could tell us the defense of Florida State is concerning. But what concerns me – kind of hidden in all this is the Florida State offensive line just couldn't block Louisville at all, not not one bit, and they were having trouble getting anything established to take some pressure off the defense and let them catch their breath. So as the game went on, it was kind of like the proverbial snowball rolling down the mountain. I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse because the offense really couldn't take any pressure off the defense, and their offensive line looked really bad in that game to me. You know, when we discussed this game in passing, because we, neither one of us had a pick on it, we didn't want to touch this thing with a 10-foot pole on, on Friday's Football Friday show, uh, you know, we discussed a little bit about Louisville's defense and that, you know, Lamar Jackson is getting all of the attention as well he should because it's a tremendous start to the season. But Louisville, in, you know, in their rise up under Bobby Petrino's played pretty damn good defense. And, they, you know, they had a, a Jim Thorpe Award winner a couple of years ago. So that was all lost. That came to light in this contest. And though Lamar Jackson went off, the offense scored 63 points, still that defense remains underrated but they play good defense and both of those units showed up in a big way i mean hell special teams showed up in this game louisville was geeked up for this they almost had florida state and Jameis winston a couple years ago and they weren't playing around this time uh punt return for a touchdown defense smothering their uh, florida state's offense and lamar jackson and the offensive unit doing their thing it's just crazy yeah but I, you know i don't you know i don't want you mad at me because i don't want to ruin your recruiting shows you know, over the winter, but you know the truth of it is, everybody gets all excited about those. You know, who, who their team is recruiting in February, but this is just another case, and we see it every Saturday, where you can overcome a lot of just on paper talent deficiency with coaching. You know, when Bobby Petrino stays away from motorcycles and coeds, one thing's apparent: the guy can coach. You're right. He can coach. True. He can coach. There's no doubt about and, it. I mean. And you're not going to convince me, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, Lamar Jackson aside, you're not going to convince me that if I go down the rosters and I start looking four years out, who's going to have more NFL players? It's Florida State, okay? And I'm not saying Louisville doesn't have talent. They do. What I'm trying to get at is he can coach. And you, I see this every Saturday. And you know what happens when you marry a program that has all the talent in the world with the perfect coach? You get what Alabama has. And that's really what happened. You know, you marry all the talent with the perfect coach, and then you get a dynasty, and that's what's happened at Alabama. Yeah, you know, I want to swing. I want to swing from this into something that's been on my mind, um, as it pertains to college football, but a little bit of you know, a little bit of football on every level, sports just in general. But I'm watching the Florida State program. You had a dynamic character in Jameis Winston. Come into your program, took you guys all the way to the top. Um, you win a championship, a lot of attention being drawn. And in this day and age of social media, heavy media, everything else, I think as a program, if you're trying to have some kind of a dynasty, if you're trying to have some kind of sustained amount of time at the top, you really have to close ranks and, and stiff arm the media. Because I'm looking at Florida State right now, and they have this – they have this show on Showtime 
um, mm-hmm. where there's an all-access view of Florida State football. And on one side, I, I know the thinking, it's good for marketing, it's good to have out there, good for us to get recruits. But on the other side, it turns your program into too much Hollywood, and it's not enough of the grind. And when you look at how Nick Saban handles things over at Alabama, who right now has the longest-standing dynasty, they are you know, a top of college football. Let's just be honest about it. Do you see how he handles the media? I mean, it's a stiff arm. It's a, yes. it's an adversarial, I deal with you because I have to kind of relationship. I don't want you guys in here too much looking around at what it is exactly that we do. We do what we do. We want to do it under the cover of darkness. And then on Saturday, we'll come out and show you exactly um, the ingredients that we put in. And who else? The cake. And who else does that very well? By the way, who's Bill right Belichick? Bill well, Belichick. no, but who else in college football does that? That's probably right behind Alabama right now, and probably I keep saying well, Urban Meyer and the guys. That's right. Urban you handles stiff arm the media. Yes. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, you I'm going to segue this. This kind of ties together. We kind of have four games going here at once. We started with Florida State. You know, we mm-hmm. saw what happened in the Alabama game. You know, they they fell behind 24-3, and sure enough, you know, you have everybody figuring, ah, here we go, Mississippi, three years in a row, right? Mississippi mm-hmm. did the same sure. thing against Florida State, right? We tie that right. together. And what happened? Mm-hmm. You turn around, you, if, if you watch another game for a few minutes, before you know it, it's 48-30 Alabama. The score was not even as close as the game. Alabama had that by 18 points. The only person frustrated is the poor guy who lost his push on Alabama minus 11 when, when Mississippi when Mississippi got the garbage at the end. So there's Alabama, right? Now here's the other program, two more that you, to tie your point. Another guy who stiff arms the media, maybe he doesn't have to as much because he's not his program doesn't see it, it's second in its own state in terms of media mm-hmm. attention, but certainly mm-hmm. not on the field. Is Michigan mm-hmm. State, okay? Right. D'Antona does not deal with the media. He hates the sideline reporters. The guy's always like, just get out of my face. Right. 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 And I mean, let's take it. You know, I said this spans against uh, spans across all sports. Um, Let's take it to the NBA. What about the San Antonio Spurs? How does their coach handle the media? You got to stiff arm the media, or I'm telling you, these folks will infiltrate into your damn program, and they will they will pull people apart, and you just won't. Get it done, and I think this. Well, and, and you know, don't forget, there's there's that undertone, and you know, I understand, like you said, I get why a Florida State wants to be on Showtime. Okay, I get, but does Florida? Let me ask you this question. I'm, I'm asking. I, I think I know the answer, but maybe you'll answer differently. Mm-hmm. Does Florida State need that attention? I mean, do they really need that much attention? Maybe they felt like they did, but they but they don't. They're they're already right. killing it in recruiting. They've already got that going on. They've got enough attention. Uh, Jameis brought that to you. Just ride the wave of that. But for kids at that age, 18 to 21 to 22 years old, the temptation to make it all about you, the individual, when you start having stuff like Showtime and the media just all over your program becomes too great. And football's the ultimate team game. And when you start players start individualizing things, then you lose it. You know, you you lose well, the formula of what you put together to get to where you are now. And I, that's that's happening at Florida State. It's it's funny it's funny you say that because I was about to go on a rant Saturday evening and I figured I'd save it for today. I'm watching that Stanford USC game right now. Stanford's another mm-hmm. team like Michigan State. Okay, they just come. Mm-hmm. And they grind. You know, they're they're boring. They're not fun to watch. I mean, hell, if McCaffrey t- twisted his ankle, I'm not sure how they'd move the ball. But they're just, I mean, 
they're David Shaw. They grind. Okay. Mm-hmm. To me, they're the West Coast version of Michigan State. Now, when Carroll was at USC, sure, they're in L.A. It's going to be hard to get away from that L.A. glamour. But USC was a team under Carroll, and when, when Robinson and McKay and past, past great coaches were there, they just beat the crap out of you. They had big offensive mm-hmm. linemen, big defensive linemen. Yeah, they might have been L.A., but they were anything but L.A. when they got on a football field, okay, when they played the Alabamas of the world. Now you look what's gone on the last seven or eight years at USC. They got a lot of sizzle going on. No stake. Mm. They got Lane Kiffin. They got Sarkeesian. The new guy, it's too early to judge him. But here's the things I see. Like last year, you, I think you laughed or you showed it to me, when that Biggie Marshall two years ago mm-hmm. announced he was going to USC. He made a video. The dude he had a video produced. Okay. <laughs> Are you kidding He me? did. And in this day and age, it seems like that's what you got to do. That's what you need to do. But when I sit back here and really think about it, the successful programs – um, and successful franchises, not only in this sport, but in other sports, are the ones where the head guy stiff arms the media and gives them limited access and not all access. And that, that, that just, that's where it's at. While everyone else seems, feels like we need to get ourselves out there, we need this exposure, this, that, and the other, the real winners in this thing um, essentially stiff arm the media and tell them just as little as they need to know, um, you know what? I'm just here not to get fined, and that's got to be the mentality. And you know what I noticed, gonna... too, with the great coaches, besides the stiff-arming the media, mm-hmm. they know how to handle the great players, but also they, they have a way of keeping their ego in check. I don't know how they do it sometimes. I'm sure they mm-hmm. have their techniques in practice. But, you know, again, I see, I see a lot of these programs that, you know, they just get out, they get out ahead of themselves. They have kids way ahead of themselves. Um, Florida State seems to be, you know, teams like that, you know, the USC's, they got kids worried about the NFL draft in the middle of their, the beginning of their junior year. Are you kidding me? Go out and yeah. tear it up. You won't have to worry about the NFL draft. It'll take care of yeah, itself. Yeah, that individual you. stuff, that individual stuff will kill you every time, and I think right now that's where Florida State's at. And if they're looking to do anything to cure their woes, their ills, um, I think they need to start there. It's not, it's certainly not talent. It's definitely not that. It, no, you know, it's not guys, You can look up and now, that roster's loaded with five and four-star, whatever you want to give them, and I don't care what service you use. They were all, you know, vast majority of players of Florida State were all high, highly regarded recruits. I mean, they don't have a talent issue. That's not the problem. Yeah, uh, well, listen, plenty of college football talk to come up here on the show today. We're going to hit that in our next segment right here. Right after the break, we're going to talk about all that went on in college football, all that was significant and, you know, what, what it means in the grand scheme of things. We're also going to talk NFL. Plenty of great action going on yesterday. Week two provides more clues as to what's what in the NFL. There were some surprises there yesterday. And, hey, look, I took a trip back to my childhood yesterday, Emil. I was just, you know, it warmed the cockles of my heart to see a particular thing going on on the field. We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this break. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. 
Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Matt Ratty Savage, what's the cup for? Oh, wow. Mr. Sarcasm. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. I don't care. No. It doesn't even matter. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. Man. Wow, man, freak out. Have you had your cup of coffee this morning? If you haven't, let us be your cup of coffee. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamina are going to wake you up to what went down this weekend in college and NFL football. And, uh, Emil, we've already talked about Florida State at great length. Um, and with that, let's just kick things off with what happened in the ACC this weekend. Uh, aside from the patty whacking that went on in Louisville, my school went out to Appalachian State. Uh, they broke a crowd record there in Boone, North Carolina. Some 34,000, 35,000, I don't have the final figures on that, showed up to the football game to watch. The University of Miami, 15th ranked Miami, is a three-and-a-half point favorite, which turns out to be a major slap in the face. Not only that, Emil, if you were going through on Twitter and you're looking at several Appalachian State-related Twitter accounts, they were talking serious smack going into this game. Uh, I wish I had the tweets right in front of me to read it, but one of them was, um, it's okay, Miami fans. Tennessee was talking smack, too, right before we went to play them, and there were no smiles Uh on their faces after that game. And I commented last week, well, you know, that's how a 31-10 football game turns into 45-0. It ended up being 45-10. And listen, it wasn't even close. Miami came out right no. away, punched these guys in the face, 80-yard run, first play from scrimmage, and they never looked back. Emil, i got to say this. I wasn't big time on Miami this year, but after, after watching this particular game and what they've been able to do, especially with the ground game and on defense, I might have to change my mind on things. University of Miami football looks I very, I don't have very to change right my mind, do I? You I were high on, on, on the Canes, yes. Yes, you were high and on the game. I told you why I was. 
you know, Mark Rick may not be the guy who brings them all the way back, as in like winning mm-hmm. a championship, but he's going to mm-hmm. set that program in the right direction, and they're going to have a, a good chance to get back to where they want to go, I think, because I think the guy after Rick, if they make the right hire, could be the guy that takes them. And maybe he will. Maybe he'll get there early. But I knew that Rick was a solid football coach, came from Georgia, got ran out of there because for some reason they think that they should be Alabama, and that's nothing against Georgia. But that's what they think there. And, uh, you know, Miami got themselves a guy who's going to have his team play some defense, and they're going to run the ball. And that's that. Yeah, well, and, uh, and, you know, one of the biggest things, too, looking at the schedule is, you know, Florida State's a weaker football team this year. Notre Dame, not as advertised. North Carolina's continuing to have problems offensively. At this point in time, and it's early because, you know, some of the Florida State and Florida fans out there will look at this and be like, listen, they haven't played anyone yet, three JV football teams. I don't call Appalachian State a JV football team. They just went out there and handled them. But as I look at this, at this point now, Emil, University of Miami could win all of these football games. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the little tough stretch coming up here is going to be the October stretch where they go, you know, at Georgia Tech, which – for some reason, they've given them trouble with that triple option. Then they're home Florida State, home North Carolina, at Virginia Tech, which, whatever, it's still a road game. On and a Thursday Notre night. Dame. It's, it is yeah, on a I Thursday mean, night sandwich between, you yeah, know. This, uh, this upcoming stretch is a nice little stretch, but there's certainly not going to be a game that they can't possibly win, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, things are looking up big time for the University of Miami, and we'll have to just see where that goes. I know there was some concern going into this football game about the passing, and I just had to tell fans this. When you're running that ball the way that they are, it's only a matter of time before the everything else starts to open up. And it looks like that was the case. You rip off an 80-yard run to start the game. Appalachian State has to think twice about what they're doing. Um, in terms of defending the run. So they, they gang up on the run, and sure enough, Brad Kaya, 21 of 27, 368, three touchdowns. The passing game's okay, Miami fans, so don't worry about that. So 45-10, they handle their business there. Clemson finally showing up for the 2016 season. Um, I was reminded that this was South Carolina State they were playing. Irrelevant as to the point that I'm making. They played two other teams that they needed to run through and they didn't get that done so you got a third one and you went out and handled your business but Emil did you happen to see the kickoff return problem that South Carolina State had in that game against Clemson did you see that I did not fill me in no yeah let me lay this one out for you Clemson kicks the ball off it's uh, about five yards deep into the uh, end zone South Carolina State player feels it has no interest in returning the ball catches it while standing up, flips it to the ref who uh, dodges the ball and like, don't be tossing that to me. me. (laughs) And the ball's rolling around in the end zone, and when the kid sees the referee sidestep the ball, he's like, okay, this might be a problem. Goes to run for it. Clemson players dive all over the damn thing. Touchdown Clemson, and it was that kind of day for South Carolina State. Uh, the funniest thing to see, if you have a chance, go look it up on Twitter. Don't be it's there, me any me. of that crap. I don't want that. No, referee dodged me out of like, Oh hell no, hell no, man. Don't. Hell no. That's not. This not. This is going to be your problem. Um, and so Clemson, Johnny on the spot, jumps on it. That was just one of uh, eight touchdowns that Clemson scored in a 59 nothing win over South Carolina State. As I mentioned, North Carolina, they go out and they hand up 56 points, um, which is what North Carolina does, man. But they gave up 28 points 
to James Madison, and 21 of that came in the first quarter. I don't know what to make yeah. of North Carolina right now. No, I'm not sure what to make of them yet either. I mean, you know, they've got to clean that up, that's for sure, because if they're going to play defense like that, running into some of these teams they're going to run into apparently in the ACC, has found their offensive uh they found their offensive mojo this year in that conference, so uh, they're going to have some problems if they, you know, running into some of these teams. Yeah, hidden in uh, all of the action, because there was plenty of it going on in on Saturday in the ACC, um, was Virginia Tech opening up a first aid kit on Boston College. 49 to nothing. That kind of came out of nowhere. Boston College has been playing defense. They've been all about defense, but 49 to nothing was an eye-opener for me, so I don't know if that's Virginia Tech finding their way, or if Boston College just, uh, I don't know what to say there. 49 Well, you know what happens, too, in some of those situations. When you're, you know, Boston College plays a ton of defense, but they have absolutely no offense, okay? And in this game, they continued that trend. They had 124 yards of offense. At some point, your defense just either quits or just wears down. I mean, I don't know what happened because I didn't see the game. But, you know, the Boston College scores this year. They, they lost to Georgia Tech 17-14. They beat UMass 26-7, and they put some points up late to even get that far ahead. And then they lost 49 nothing. I mean, they just can't move the football. And I, I yeah, mean, I'm not so sure the defense, you know, just didn't quit. Got a case of the efforts, I guess. Uh, they've just been overly concerned with ball security, and it's to the point where they're now too conservative. But uh, Virginia Tech uh, made them rethink some things, 49 nothing. Uh, sliding over to the Big 12, a couple of big games there. But before we get to that, Pittsburgh and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State has a way of just – they want to make every game just really special for the fans and, 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 and for the networks. Uh, this game was back and forth, back and forth. They had a, an extremely long delay in this contest, and at the end, I think Oklahoma State got a, a big play on defense to finally outlast Pittsburgh 45-38. to 38. This is one of my picks, so we'll touch on this again. But Oklahoma State, man, 38 to Pitt at home off of a Well, a and there was almost 1,200 yards of offense in this game, 800 at halftime. I think the delay may have slowed that down a little bit. They got out of sync. Uh, again, you know, teams not interested in playing any defense. I I, I don't understand the logic. I'm I don't know what's Division going on in the Big 12, man. What is going on? Play some defense. Well, you know what's going on. We've, we've, we've handled this. We've talked about it. When you go recruit, most of these kids you're recruiting played both ways in high school and were stars on both sides of the ball. I mean, there just seems to be this – you know, it's pretty pronounced throughout a lot of college football. A lot of programs just take all their best guys and put them on offense, it seems. The, the smart ones old, don't. This is the old whack conference, man. I mean, it's getting to the point where I can't take too much seriously coming out of this place. It's just it's ridiculous. Uh, so 45-38, I guess you get your money's worth if you're the passing fan. And we probably have a few guys like us out there who like baseball. It reminds me of when you hand me the stat sheet for the Colorado Rockies or the Arizona Diamondbacks. I just smile and I go, okay. Because we both know yeah. that, you know, everybody hits there. So it's like, well, okay, that's it's nice. It's crazy. You know, yeah. here's your quarterback's numbers in the Big 12. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. And continuing with that trend, late night, late night Saturday, Texas and California. Uh, this game didn't happen in Big 12 territory. It happened way out west. But, you know, they like to score points out west, too. No disappointment there. 93 points scored between these two teams. And Texas, I told you on Friday, I was a little concerned about people putting this heavy backpack on Texas and making them a touchdown 
favorite on the road, not something they're really ready for. Make them an underdog and they can get, you know, they can get all lathered up for it, but you start making them feel like this is who they are and they aren't that. California outlasts Texas 50 to 43. Well, we may have to rethink Texas a little bit in in the sense that as you start to see games unfold, you mentioned earlier Notre Dame, which we'll get to. I'm not sure Notre Dame was what either of us thought they were going to be. And, you know, so that win looks a little different right now. Not that it's a bad win, but they lose this game. Now, next week they go to Oklahoma State. And, I well, mean, they get a week they, off. They, better, they get a week off. Before yeah, they get a week Oklahoma. off. You're right. Two weeks they go to Oklahoma State, and then they have Oklahoma after that. And, uh, you know, if they're going to play defense like this against Oklahoma State, that's going to be a pinball machine out there. Oh, I, I mean, God in heaven knows how, if replacement bulbs get them ordered up for the scoreboard right now because that's going to be crazy. But the biggest game in the Big 12 last Saturday was uh, Ohio State and Oklahoma. Um, what happened here is what I expected to happen. Didn't have a whole bunch of faith in Oklahoma. And uh, rightfully so. Ohio State comes in there, handles their biz. JT Barrett goes nuts, throws four touchdowns, 35 points at the half. Emil, uh, and there, people are talking now. The, the talk is getting loud um, about Big Game Bob in Oklahoma. Well, be careful what you wish for because, you know, that's what happened with Georgia and Mark Richt. I mean, the OU people may think that it's, you know, 1975 and Barry Switzer's there, but it's a different world we live in. And, you know, again, I, I've been as critical of Stoops as anyone like you, but he does win a lot. Um, this is a tall task. I know they're at home. But I really honestly believe that aside from uh, some goofy upsets, you know, Ohio State and Alabama to me right now are clearly the two best teams. I really believe that. So, Yeah, listen, not it's surprised. not going to be 11 wins every year in Norman, folks. Uh, every now and then you're going to pull back, and you just, can't go, you just can't go around, you know, slicing your coach out of there because, quite honestly, right now, who's the replacement? Um, I well, think the race is on for the next guy in LSU, and then – Oklahoma comes up. So, you know, leave Stoops alone. Um, he's going to win you double-digit games every year. Oklahoma will get their act together. And in this conference where no one wants to play any kind of defense, um, I think they'll be all right this year. But, um, yeah, they're talking. I mean, they were ele- what were they last year? They lost the playoff. They were 11-2, and two, right? They, they lost yeah, they were in the playoff. The playoffs. They, got to, uh, they were in the right, playoffs. They got I mean, to the what playoff. They went, they went 11-2. and two. Uh, The year before that, he, he was down. He was 8-5. and five. I'm just looking here to see – you know how bad Bob's been. I mean, eleven and two in the playoff, eight and five the year before. I think was when they beat Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. They they, they were eleven and two the year before. I mean, you got a guy in two of his last three complete seasons. He's been eleven and two. I mean, that's I think there's enough money good. in the bank there. I think there's enough money in the bank there uh, for Bob Stoops. And even though we like to get on him about the big games, I think there's enough money in the bank there that you folks can give him a pass here for the Houston loss and the uh, and the loss this weekend against Ohio State. Two very good football teams. You know what's surprising over. though in this game, Chad? By the way, um, if if Ohio State carved them up through the air, I would kind of say okay. What, what, what's concerning for me is, you know, I'm not used to seeing an Oklahoma team giving up six yards a carry and almost 300 yards on the ground. Um, it's Ohio State, man. It's just how do you how do you defend them? What do you what do you do here? Just Ohio State's a machine right now. Um, you know, I'm talking big about them because I got them winning the national championship. I believe you do too. So. Um, everything's falling into place so far so good. Uh, speaking of Ohio State, let's slide into the Big Ten and talk about what happened there. You want to know what are the biggest surprises for me in this conference uh, on Saturday was uh, Colorado. 
Colorado has been a doormat. I mentioned this on Friday, but I mean they they put up a pretty strong effort against Michigan, and uh, we had a 24-21 football game at halftime in in, in the Big House. I mean, what? Yeah, but did you see what happened there as well? The Colorado starting quarterback, Colorado starting quarterback, who has been there a little while now. He's a pretty good player. Sixteen to twenty-five for two forty-six and three touchdowns. He has to go out of the game. He gets hurt. Uh, you know, at the time, the score was like, I want to say 21-14 or something, Colorado, when he left the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not, when really, I'm looking I'm not, at the I'm box gonna... score here, uh, it took three guys to fill in for this guy going out. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to tell you they would have won the game necessarily, but they went two of nine the rest of the game through the air with the other guys. So, you know, they were moving the ball pretty easily part of the game I saw against Michigan when they were ahead. Um, now Michigan might have won anyway, but this game was tight, and it, it, it's two things. It's Col- Colorado's obviously improved. We see that. But, I mean, I'm a little concerned if I'm Michigan in this game. Yeah. You're home. Um, You're not supposed certain. to have Colorado going up and down the field on you. Yeah, it wasn't Hawaii, man. Uh, so, you know, they got some things they need to work on there, and I'm sure practice will be Oh, just such a joy this week over there in Michigan. Uh, Rutgers, can they repeal uh, Rutgers' membership in the Big Ten? Um, All types of struggles with New Mexico. Not a good start to this season. Uh, Chris Ash better get things rolling and get things rolling fast. You know why Rutgers is in the Big Ten this fall. You answered your own question the other day. We talked about TV and, and footprints, and Rutgers brings in the New York, New Jersey market. Otherwise, they make no sense in the Big Ten anyway, so... Well, let me get it together quick. And the other biggest thing is, and I touched on this, Notre Dame not being what I thought they were. It's Michigan State again, ho-hum. No one really talking about those guys in green. They're talking... Uh, they're talking it's Harbaugh, they're talking Urban Meyer, and here's Michigan State doing doing their thing again. They go into South Bend and deal Notre Dame a loss, and not in the way in which I thought it would have happened, not 36-28. If you tell me the score is 36-28 in the Michigan State-Notre Dame game, I say Notre Dame wins, but Michigan State and, goes and out there and the, scores some points. by the way, to your point in this game, the score was 36-7 middle of the third quarter. I mean, I'll give Notre Dame credit for competing till the end, but I think Michigan State fell asleep at the switch a little bit because they were totally dominating this game, and for some reason they lost that mojo. But they, for the most part, this, this was a, a pretty thorough beatdown. How much of this game where did you were you able to see any of it? What's Notre Dame? Yeah, I was flipping back and forth watching a little, you know, fourteen yards off. What, what, what's the problem? Uh, listen, you and I, I don't know. We've asked that question. I, I don't know what's going on there. The, the, they, they, need, they need telescopes to see the receivers. I don't know what they're doing over there. I really Fix don't. it. Fix it, Notre Dame. Fix it. Um, uh, you're not going to skip get... two things we have to touch on. Lovey Smith. I mean, I don't know what Lovey's doing because I'm <laughs> a big – I like Lovey. But, I mean, Western Michigan goes into Illinois and just lays it on them 34-10. And, and, and you know – that, that couple of things there, Angel, a couple of things there. Western Michigan, um, right now, when you look at the teams that are in the Big Ten, um, could certainly be a team in the Big Ten right now. I'd put them there instead of Rutgers. How about that? They've been a solid program over the last few years and someone who could be in the Big Ten. Not saying they would you know, challenge for the top, but they could be in there and, and probably dish out some losses to some Big Ten teams and be competitive. Illinois has not been that. 
They've been a dumpster right. fire for the last few years. That's why Lovey Smith is there. So I'm not really ready to throw anything on Lovey. I'm sure he needs to fix some things. Uh, when I think about the style of football that Lovey Smith plays, it's not what they played at Illinois. So you got to go through that whole transition of playing football with the kind of athletes that aren't really um, – appropriate for your system it kind of reminds me of what charlie strong had to do going into texas so uh it's going to be some lean years in illinois and if they're patient enough maybe they can get the fighting illini back to something but this is certainly a black eye um here for them but they got to be able to with well, the, the other one i want to touch on is the perennial subdivision champion team north dakota state walked oh, into wow. iowa. Yeah, how, did, how did i miss that and you know yeah, Colin walked into iowa frauds yeah, the number 13 team in the country, and knocks them off 23-21. Yeah, no sweat. This is the fifth or sixth time I think they've done this in a row. Um, they've won against Power But let me read teams. you the box score. This was no fluke, okay? 21 first downs for North Dakota State, 12 for Iowa. Total yards in the game. 363 for North Dakota State, 231 for Iowa. Rush yards, which, which is what I like to look at. 239 for North Dakota State. 34 for Iowa. Yeah, um, they handle their biz, so to speak, and Iowa gets dealt this critical, critical blow. Uh, but you know what? I, I'm ready to all jump on and say, look, I think this thing belongs to Wisconsin. But they had all types of trouble getting past Georgia State in their contest on Saturday. So I don't know what to make there. Maybe it's Michigan State was laying ahead uh, next week and they couldn't focus, but good grief. You know, get it together, let, let, folks. Let's be real. Let's be real about the Big Ten. The way it's currently constructed, whoever wins that one division with Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State is really – that's where all the interest lies. Usually that, that championship game – now, granted, Iowa played Michigan State tough last year, but that's kind of the way Michigan State plays. That championship game is almost like a foregone conclusion. You expect that team from the other division to just win. Uh, it, it pre- pretty much, and you know, you talked about this when we were doing our preview show. They need to do something about that. They need to fix that uh, in a hurry. Do some reshuffling or whatever. But we're going to slide all the way out west though and talk Pac-12 football. And uh, okay. I guess the big the the big thing here is USC Stanford. Uh, Stanford heavily favored in this game. Nine points is heavily favored. And uh, they go ahead and do what they're supposed to do. Now, I don't know what's going on. USC football has some issues. Uh, This has been brought to light, and I found this kind of interesting. Uh, Matt Leinert was on with Colin Cowherd last week, and he had this to say about USC. Namal, I want to know if you – Agree with what Matt Leinart has to say here. USC is tough for me, and, and when I and when I look at it, Clay Helton's a good guy. He's a good coach, I think. He's a football guy. What's their identity? What's their identity? Um, you know, do they want to run the football? You, you know, who's their quarterback going to be? And at least when I was with Pete, we knew. And and granted, we had some great football teams, but we knew our identity. We knew what we wanted to do every Saturday. Uh, you know, and we were prepared, and we went out there, and we just throttled everybody we played. And, and USC has talent; they got players. Oh, it's man. not. Listen, that, Jim that, Harbaugh takes right. over for Brady Hoke. An hour later, they're blowing eight exactly. teams out. So, uh, you, you just you wonder what changes need to be made. Now, I, I, I'm not a. 
Yeah, well, now, Emil, I mean, you obviously have watched more USC football than me this year, A, because I'm traveling, B, because that's your team. Do you agree with Matt Leinart here? And if you don't, what's what's the issue at USC? Yeah, right you know, I, I, I kind of sound like him when I try to discuss Helton because there's a side of me, and you could see Matt was hesitant there. Because mm-hmm. Helton's a hard guy not to like. I mean, he's, a, he's right. a football guy, but some guys are never meant to be anything other than a coordinator, or at least they're not meant to start their career there. And I'll be honest, you were more right on him than me. I kind of mm-hmm. thought I liked some things I saw, and maybe I got sucked into the likable approach with him. But the only analogy I could give you is this. Let's pretend you, Chad, were super wealthy. And you have all mm-hmm. these nice kids, right? They all coming up. They turn 16 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you could afford it, do you take them down to the Ferrari or the BMW dealership and get them a car like that for their first car when they're 16? Is that the car you Definitely want them to drive? Not. Definitely not. Right, right. So Clay Helton's ready to coach. Maybe he is ready to be a head coach. But do you hand them the Ferrari or the Beamer? Really? Is that I've what you're going to give? Yeah, listen, I've talked about this before. Uh talked about it with Randy Shannon getting the job at the University of Miami. Um, I think this would have gone great for him had he been able to sow his oats somewhere else where there wasn't such a limelight. Same thing with Will Mushtamp at Florida. Um, these guys are good football coaches, and so is Clay Helton. And having met the guy personally, also a great guy, can echo what Matt Leinart said there. But you got to wonder, is this too much thrown in his lap? And for a guy like that, it's tough to say no to an opportunity like that when it comes your way? How do you just say no to that? Will I get this opportunity again? It's early, Emil, but there seems to be some it, issues it, at USC. They've got to get cleaned up quickly. You're talking about, let's forget even the preparation part. There's just things I saw in the like give you an example, 14 minutes left in the game, 27-10. Now, come on, you don't have to be great at math to understand. You need three scores. There's 14 minutes left. you got fourth and one on like the Stanford 28-yard line. He lets the field goal pass by, hands the ball off, gets stuffed, turns the ball over. Now, you're saying to yourself, you're not on the one-yard line where you say, hey, we're on the one, let's get the touchdown. You need mm-hmm. the field goal anyway. Kick it. Later mm-hmm. in the game with nine minutes left on the Stanford side of the field, he punts the ball. That's the, that's the punt, the surrender punt when you punt with nine minutes left. Okay? I don't get some of these things. Bleacher Report just ranked Juju Smith-Schuster as the most overrated player in college football, and I will say I agree with that. The kid cannot mm. get open now. He's not dominating games. He's concerned, I think, a lot of these guys are concerned with, oh, yeah, I'm going to come out early. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something, Juju. You come out early right now, you're a third-round pick unless you go run a 4-4 at the Combine. Yeah, uh, and even still, um, it's, they're going to get back to the tape, and if they see the things that you just mentioned there, it's not going to really matter that you're that fast. you know. Um, so, you know, that, if this harkens back to what we talked about in the opening segment about starting to being an individual within the ultimate team sport, and it, you know, and it's become that at USC. And, you know, I forgot to talk about this in that opening segment. You know, we talked about – the best coaches being able to stiff-arm the media. Well, counter to that, and there's always an outlier, Pete Carroll wasn't that kind of coach when he was at USC. He kind of went all in with that kind of stuff, bringing in uh, a little bit of a, I don't want to say a carnival atmosphere, didn't really stiff-arm anyone and, and gave more access. And I think it got, it, you know, if I can remember, it got really, really heavy towards the end. And and then, you know, you started to have some problems there. And then, couple things. The smartest, you can handle it, first of all. He, he was a strong. 
but he was a strong yeah. personality. He was, he's the antithesis of a guy like Clay Helton, who's boy, uh, uh, you know, a down home. And you know what he did well, though. Yeah, not to cut you off, but you know what he did well, though, is when things kind of flew off the wheel a little bit because you had so much access. He had a good way of bringing it all to him and making it about him and not his players. He shielded him in that sense. He shielded him, uh, much like managers in New York and Los Angeles in baseball. The good ones can do. They 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 know they're going to be heavily scrutinized. They know when to make it about me, take the pressure off the players. I screwed up, whatever. But he knew how to handle it. But, again, I go back to the word identity, and that's important mm-hmm. both in life, sports, business. you got to know what you are. And the thing that the, – part of the reason that What Alabama is USC wins, right now as a That's fan. right. What, what Why does they? Alabama win, Chad, besides having great players and a great coach? They know what they are. When they were down 24-3 on Saturday, they didn't panic. They know what they are. They know what they want to do. They cleaned up some of the things that were going wrong. And they get right back in the game because they have an identity. When you don't know what you are in football, especially, and when you see USC, what are they? They're going to throw the ball over the yard? Some Saturdays they are. They're going to run the ball? Some Saturdays they are. I don't know what they are. And I'm a USC fan. I don't, I don't know what, the, what it is they want to do when they go into a game. And I don't think they do either. Well, they're going to need to figure that out quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, Utah this week, that's another tough one. Um, Arizona State coming up. You never know what you're going to get with them. And USC has had problems with Arizona State even when they were on the top of the world. And then uh, a resurging Colorado. So the next three weeks are going to be big for them. The only other thing I want to talk about in this conference, uh, UCLA and BYU. Uh, listen, if you look at it, 17-14, you know, if you're a big UCLA fan, you say maybe you should have won that game. But no, BYU is a tough team. Um, very physical team, and, and kudos to UCLA for going getting into a fist fight here and, and coming out the winner. I think this is what they needed at this point right now. Yeah, I saw that game. Matter of fact, BYU scored with 40 seconds left on a, you know, like a 20-yard pass. UCLA pretty much had that game in the last seven minutes. They had control of it. Um, BYU was having trouble moving the ball. Sets up a big game this week in the Rose Bowl uh, with Stanford coming in there, that, and that that should be interesting. Yeah, um, def- definitely that. And then finally, going over into the SEC, a couple of big things uh, to talk about here. We we talked about the Alabama-Mississippi game, Alabama doing their thing, their, um, uh, Mississippi doing their thing, where they're going to go crazy in that first half. It's funny, you know, I was uh, in Gainesville, walked into uh, a restaurant trying to find something to eat before the Florida game, and this game was on TV. I think it was 24-3, was it? Able 24-3. Yes. That happened to be the score at the time that I went in there and uh, looked up at this game. And not for the life of me did I think, oh, damn, you know, Alabama's going to lose this game. I was just like, I watched this Mississippi team play Florida State on Labor Day. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking Mississippi could give this thing away real easy. I've seen this. They're like a one-half team right now. They're going to come out balls to the wall. Uh, fast and furious, and then, you know, all of a sudden they don't have any more answers. And when you do that against Alabama, you get what you had happen there. And like you said, they scored late. So that's Mississippi football in 2016. Yep, I agree with you. I mean, there's something there's something missing there, too. They just, I don't know what it is. You know, they have talent there, but they just, they lack that killer instinct. And, you know, there's two games where they have big leads against big-time teams, and they end up uh, taking L's. Yeah, um so I don't I don't know what what 
you know, what Mississippi is going to do to kind of fix that problem. It's probably something they're going to struggle with all season long. There's a big matchup next week. It's Tennessee and Florida, much awaited in the East, much talked about. But ahead of those two games, uh, both teams had games against teams that they should easily beat. That was not the case for Tennessee. Once again, against, uh, you know, a lower opponent, they struggle in the contest. And the big problem for Tennessee here is they lose two big-time playmakers for them on defense, um, one being Cam Sutton, um, big-time cornerback for them, is going to be lost for an extended period of time here after hurting uh, his, his ankle, breaking a bone in his ankle there. So he's out, and they lose another playmaker there. But, you know, aside from the close game, losing those two ahead of the Florida game is, you know, bad news for Tennessee. Well, definitely, but, you know, it's kind of countered by Florida, as you know, the the quarterback's uh, out. Um, you know, I, I mean, you look at the box score of that game, they held North, North Texas to 53 yards, so i got to assume the problem with really opening it up was, that, you know, they they didn't bring the offense. So, you know, uh, it makes you wonder what's going to go on next week without the starting quarterback. Yeah, sluggish game for Florida offensively, defensively. They've been what they've been so far this season. Um, smothering, I mean, really, right now, Florida uh, essentially could have opened up this season with three straight shutouts, um, gave up a BS touchdown last week, um, gave up a touchdown in the first game that they didn't need to give up. But those were, quote-unquote, against JV teams, which, you know, you can't disagree with, not top-of-the-level um, opponents. going to be interesting to see what Florida does now against a conference opponent and one that many people had to win the conference uh, they are without Luke Del Rio, who took a hit in his knee late in the game. And uh, now it's it's Austin Appleby going to take over. And you know what I say sometimes in games like this, at least for one week, a backup quarterback's not a bad thing uh, in contests like this because it kind of changes everything that you do. And now Tennessee doesn't really have a book on this guy. Um, I don't know past that game what happens and Del Rio is supposed to return for the LSU game but it's going to be interesting to see does Tennessee figure out pretty quickly what Florida wants to do offensively with the new guy in well I think the bigger issue for me with Tennessee is given the way their offense has kind of struggled against some some of these lesser teams I'm wondering if Tennessee can can move the ball much against Florida to be honest with you well, they have a running quarterback, which it seems, against stifling-type defenses like a Florida and an Alabama and those type of defenses, a running quarterback starts is a problem to these kind of defenses. And it was last year. Dobbs ran wild, um, had Tennessee with a nice lead in the swamp before Florida came back with their miracle comeback. Uh, I think it's all going to boil down to Florida being able to contain Dobbs, not only on designed runs but when he drops back to pass and things aren't there if they can contain that Tennessee's going to have a really hard time finding the end zone um, and, and it's going to be a problem for them all day long but this game has now gotten a, even a little bit more interesting um, if you could even have a situation like that yeah it should be yeah. a great game by the way what's the word on uh, the Florida starting quarterback do, do they expect him back this season what's going what's Spr- going yeah, down there sprained MCL they expect him to miss this week and Vanderbilt and to return for the LSU game. So not as bad as Good. some initial reports of maybe a torn PCL, which would have been some extended time, just a sprained MCL, and he should return for LSU. The final thing to talk about in this conference was Georgia and Missouri. Not for the life of me could I have even expected to look up and see Missouri with uh, in control against Georgia, which is what it looked like until late in the game. For the, it seems like the third week in a row, a kid from uh, my high school that I coach at right now, American Heritage in Plantation, Florida, Isaiah McKenzie, bailing out Georgia 
for it seems the third week in a row, catching a late touchdown pass, and uh, you know which sealed the win for Georgia. But Isaiah McKenzie, really known so far, Amol, as a return guy in college football, putting up some pretty crazy numbers uh, as a wide receiver as he goes 10 catches for 122 yards. And, again, that game winner is one of the two touchdowns he scored on the day. But, Georgia, what's going on there with them? The kid comes in and throws 55 passes. Well, I can't let my eyes deceive me. I think Georgia is just a matter of time. Um, It's going to catch up to them. They haven't played well this season. Um, Right now, whatever ranking they're enjoying is because of their uniforms. If you took the way they've played and you called them anything other than Georgia – they probably aren't even a top-20 team right now. Yeah, well, they've got a tough three-game stretch coming up. They're facing that Ole Miss team that just fell, uh, you know, uh, to Alabama, so they'll be good and lathered up for them. Then they've got Tennessee, and who knows what they'll be like after this weekend. And then they're going to South Carolina, who's, you know, not big and bad, but they can play some defense. And so uh, that's going to be – that's going to be two Georgia alums as coaches there battling it out in that South Carolina game, Will Muschamp and uh, Kirby Smart, good friends who also played together at Georgia, just to look ahead there. So that's your college football weekend as we summed it up here for you. Uh, a lot went on there. Uh, and With regards to our picks, we'll sum those up at the end of our NFL segment on the next uh, after this break here. We'll talk about how we did both in the NFL and in uh, college football. So we're going to take a break. When we get back, NFL is next up. Stay with us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiation and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Football season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Call me now. I've got the tub plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. Call me now. I've got winners for you the entire weekend. Absolutely free. 1 800 238 I win. 1 800 238 I win. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. That are those tickets. Call me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show. 
Every Friday, 10 a.m., Chad Wilson, Abel Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m., Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. See you there. here on the East Coast on a Monday. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino, we just ran through college football and all the great action that went down this weekend. But the NFL uh, was pretty sweet on Sunday, too. Emil, as you know, I travel uh, on most Sundays, so I get to hear football games. I don't really get to see them until I catch up on some of the action during the uh, weekend. So while I had the ears on it, you're going to have to be my eyes on some of these things. Uh, Let's start with the Ravens and the Browns. Listen, I'm, I, I wasn't listening to the Browns game, but, you know, I go to my app here, and I'm following it, and I see a quick 7 nothing, and then I see, uh, yeah, 13, 14 nothing, and, and I'm, I'm like, what's going on here in, in this football game? It's twenty to two at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, did I ever like, did tell you how much? Switch did I ever tell you how much I hate the Cleveland Browns, Chad? I'm in a last man standing pool, and like eleven people. Had the the had the uh, Ravens right, so I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, oh, this is yeah. great because it's only the second week. Let's get rid of 11 people." First of all, they weren't. You know why they were up 20 to two, which ended up costing Help me, them the game because I didn't listen to the game. I just got an app and some scores. I was like, "What the what?" The idiots score their third touchdown to go up 20 to nothing. They're kicking mm-hmm. the extra. Not only do they get it blocked. The Ravens return it for two points. So it's a three-point swing. Now let me tell you why it's important. I'm going to be your eyes for you. At the end of the football game, the the Browns have the ball inside the 10-yard line, and they, they don't score. And I, forget, I, I, I forget if he was intercepted or just threw an incomplete pass on fourth down. But here's the point. Hmm. Let's do math here. 25 minus 2 is what? 23. Yeah. 20 plus the one you should make in, in professional football is 21. Right. If the score is 23-21, what do I do if I'm on the 10-yard line with 20 seconds left? If you're 31 teams in the NFL, you kick a field goal. But there's no telling what Cleveland does in that spot. Do you understand? But, well, yeah, so let's pretend it's not Cleveland. <laughs> I win the game 24-23 is what I do. The freaking Browns basically lost the game by and large because they, they had a three-point swing on an extra point. <laughs> hey, it's Cleveland Clevelanding. I mean, what do you want? I mean, for God's sake. So, uh, look, all the people that pick uh, Baltimore know that no matter what, Cleveland's money in the bank when you find a situation like that. So, God <laughs> help Cleveland, the city of Cleveland, the franchise, uh, whoever is connected with that. God's sakes. Listen, uh, the, my local team down here. All right. Tom Brady's out. We got a chance. This Garoppolo kid looked good, but that can't last forever. I mean, for God's sakes, he's no Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, he is. He goes in there and lights them the hell up, and then he's out. So you're on the third string guy. I mean, you damn near called a dude off the <laughs> practice squad in the middle of the goddamn game to get him in there, and not they still can't win. 
they lose to the New England Patriots uh, under uh. these circumstances, 31 to 24. Emil, I mean, if there's a silver lining, Ryan Tannehill um, and one of our you know chronic callers would love these numbers. 32 of 45, 389, two TDs. A good day. People got hit with passes, but at the end of the day. Dolphins take the L, and and the New England Patriots, minus Tom Brady, minus Jimmy Garoppolo, are 2-0. and Grab your buckets and start throwing up now if you're not in the Boston area. Well, I threw, that's what one of my posts was in the middle of the first quarter of that game. In other NFL news, the Patriots are still really good. <laughs> good grief, man. I mean, um, if you were hoping for something other than this, you didn't get that. So, um, geez, middle finger. Um, for the New England Patriots, and you know what, Tannehill, Tannehill, our caller will will call and tell us how he threw for 389 yards. He also mm-hmm. threw a couple picks, and let's face it, the score was 31-7 in an NFL game. They start loosening the pants a little and the chin straps. I mean, <laughs> you know, Miami was not. Yeah, Miami um, wasn't that close in this game. No, uh, you know, and that's that's one that I was following as well. It was a runaway, and then something happened there, and they, they got back in it. You know what annoyed me going into this week? Um, and, again, it's media-related. You'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to know that I was a broadcast journalism major when I entered college, left a business with a business degree. But uh, all week, it seemed, all the media wanted to do was – try for all in heavens to get a Bengals-Steelers um, war to happen on the field. Like, they wanted handguns brought on the field. They wanted to see people get shot. They just built it up. They talked about it. They they cut away. They came back. They talked about it again. They not the Devontae media. Perfect Come hits. on. I think you're being it, unfair, uh, Chad. Not the, for not the love the media of, would uh, do that's that? That's all they wanted to talk about. This, these are the two top teams in AFC North. And they play good football, and they've got stars on both sides, Antonio Brown, uh, A.J. Green, Dalton, Roethlisberger. I mean, the list goes on, and all they want to talk about is Vontez Burfecht, someone who is not even going to be playing in this game. And the hits and all the stuff that went on, it's like they were trying to will this to happen again. Thankfully, it didn't. The Steelers end up winning the game, but come on, man. And then you'll talk about how it marred the game if it happens. Oh, how terrible it is. How, uh, you know, how these two head coaches couldn't, couldn't hold their teams together. You tried like hell to have it happen. <laughs> it's the truth. I agree. No, I agree. Just, by, oh. the way, by the way, it, it, this is another game where, where it felt like Pittsburgh won by more than they did. They, I always felt like they had control of the game. I saw bits and pieces, and I was going back and forth on this game during the Cowboys game at 1 o'clock, and the Steelers really seemed to have command of this game beginning to end. I never felt like they were going to lose the game if that, for, what, for whatever that you know means. Yeah, one of the games I, I jumped in on here and there, and it just did seem like that. I mean, the final score is close, but it seemed Pittsburgh uh, had this one uh, together for most of, if not the entirety of the game. I know you're happy today. Anytime the Cowboys and the Redskins get together, there's going to be something uh, something worthy for fans in it. And this was another uh, great contest. I probably listened to this one the most, Emil. And, and in listening to it, what were the Redskins doing when they got close to the goal line yesterday? What was that that they were doing? Was it – what? Are we not trying to score touchdowns, or what exactly is it that the I don't understand? You know, I'm going to tell you something. I'll take. I, I love road wins in the division, especially after you drop a home division game to the Giants. So I'm not. Mm-hmm. I love the win, but 
The Redskins, I don't understand. Their coaches may be the only ones in the NFL who don't realize, who, who don't get that no linebacker in the NFL can cover Jordan Reed. I, I, I yeah, don't. And, and when you, you have know, a player like that at that position and you get down inside the 10, you've got to get him the football. Instead, they kept trying to throw this fade over and over to the first-round pick. Like, hey, come on, man. You've got to score down there. So if you're not running it, it, Matt Jones only had 13 carries in this game and was doing rather well, it seemed, on the yeah, ground. But, yeah, yeah, no, we had a good game. Down it was almost like, like they sat there. The coach must get like a, something in his ear in Washington from Snyder saying, you know, we need to show everybody why we took Jock Dotson in the first round and not somebody else that we could actually use like an offensive lineman. So can you throw him some of those fades so he can catch one of them? We could say, look, he's six foot three. That's why we. Yeah, got I, I mean, I don't, I don't get it at all. Uh, I don't know what about Kirk Cousins says to the Washington Redskins that he should throw 46 times in a game, but he did, and as a result, you took an L to the Dallas Cowboys. And you know what? Uh, we talk a lot about Dak Prescott. You want to know the? Listen, everyone talks about all these things about Dak Prescott, and there are a lot of superlatives to go around for a rookie quarterback. You want to know what I think? Guess what I think is the best thing Dak Prescott does, Amo. What the, for me, it's controlling the huddle and the team. I mean, I just like the way he carries himself. He doesn't turn the ball really over. tangible. Oh, well, no, he, he doesn't. doesn't. Turn the no, ball. no, he, did. he didn't but do he it didn't at do all it in Mississippi State. He didn't do he it at Mississippi turn the ball State. Over. Go look at his numbers. No, yeah, I'm, gonna, he doesn't I'm not going to help the other team win the football game, um, and we've got enough talent here for us to win it ourselves, so I'm not going to help you. And while uh, the Redskins are over there throwing 20 fades in a row, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to keep us in this game, keep this in the game, and win it in the end. And that's what Dallas did. Now, Ezekiel, can I, can I throw two things out there for you I'd like to get your thoughts on? Two, sure. two things I'd like to get your thoughts on. One, if you remember last week on the show, we were talking about Ezekiel Elliott, and I said to you, I said, it seems to me, from what I can see, you know, the Cowboys run a zone blocking scheme. It seems to me like he's not letting the blocks develop and he's, and he's, you know, running too fast. And sure enough, they talked about it. Whoever was doing the game, the color guy that was a player, I forget which guy said, mm-hmm. Cowboys coaches have tried to tell him you need to slow down. My thought would be, and I want to hear what you think, I would let him come off the bench for a while. I think he'd learn a little bit. The talent is evident, but I think he'd learn a little bit by watching Alfred Morris. I think Alfred Morris knows how to run that scheme a little bit better, and he could actually help Elliot by just Elliot seeing some reps from the sidelines. Well, I have a feeling, given the way this game ended up, that's probably what we're going to see uh, here for the next couple of weeks. It, things play out exactly the way you just did, and you might be right. It's kind of a hindsight thing because you're pretty excited about Ezekiel Elliott and some things that he did in the preseason, especially the way he ran the ball and showed a little bit of moxie against the Seattle Seahawks. Granted, it was preseason. You start to feel like, okay, this is a guy that's not the, – the moment's not going to be too big for him when a regular season comes around. So let's go ahead and put um, the guy we believe is going to be the franchise here in there. But, you know, two weeks in, maybe you're right – and I think you may see that. I mean, he fumbled the ball away. That's a sin uh, for a rookie running back. So maybe we'll see that. Maybe they will switch that role up. Hopefully and, and let me toss a trade out psyche. for you. I want to toss this scenario out because that, for those of you who don't follow, the NFL, just like baseball, has a trade deadline. I believe it's after six weeks in the middle of October is the last day you can trade in the NFL. Now, mm-hmm. for me, and I know you're going to agree with me on this, I really don't think that Prescott's shown us anything other than he's going to continue to get better 
and there really is no reason for this team to reinsert Tony Romo. Would you agree? Uh, I don't know that I agree a hundred percent with that, um, Emil. I mean that they wouldn't, that they shouldn't. I mean they're going to reinsert Romo. I'm not saying that they won't. I'm saying I don't think they should. If it, if I'm just going off of me and how I would do things, and I don't run an NFL franchise, I would agree with you. Uh, just the way things go, um, I don't know that the Cowboys in these two weeks have seen enough from Prescott to say we can go really far with him this year. And, you know, in this day and age, it's about right now. And I think the Cowboys feel like with some of the things that they have, they want to try and push this thing as far as they can. And let's just see what the couple of week, first the, the next couple of weeks do. But I think through these first two weeks, they may be thinking that a healthy Tony Romo may be what they need to push way into the playoffs and maybe have a chance at an NFC championship and getting in the Super Bowl. Okay, here's my trade. Um, the next to couple fix of weeks both two, I'm going to fix two franchises, give them both a chance in the playoffs. And Can't while, yes, this. I agree a healthy Tony Romo would be better at this stage probably than Dak would be. I can fix another mm-hmm. area of the Cowboys. I'm going to deal Tony Romo mm-hmm. to the Los Angeles Rams. He was born in mm-hmm. San Diego. I'm going to deal him mm-hmm. to the Rams. For mm-hmm. The Rams give me back a starting defensive lineman. Thank you very much. <laughs> um hey maybe sounds like a sweet trade. I don't I don't think Tony Romo um would be great for the Rams. I just don't. I think he's a Cowboy. But they would. I mean, have you watched the Rams play offense lately? <laughs> Did they play offense? Yeah, they, the Dodgers the scored next... the same as the Rams yesterday for you people out in LA. The Dodgers scored 9 and so did the Rams. <laughs> Well, I was forced to listen to the Rams-Seahawks game. And let me not say that because, uh, first of all, I was taken taken on a trip back to my childhood, Emil, uh, with the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks. And, look, kudos to them for coming out in the old school, you know, blue and gold, um, a a color I called yellow my whole childhood. I don't know why they call that gold. But, nevertheless, coming out in the old school blue and gold – in 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 the Coliseum, uh, where I first saw the Rams play, and going out and getting a victory. You didn't score a touchdown. You haven't scored a touchdown in the 2016 season, two weeks in. But lo and behold, you're 1-1, one and, one, and you went and bumped off uh, the team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year, uh, as, as <laughs> predicted by yours truly. You bump off the top team uh, in the NFL for 2016, 9-3. And it just, you know what, I was I, you know, thought of this. And if you're old as I am, you know, let me go back and take a trip through memory lane. I was a kid, and the Rams went to the Super Bowl at the end of the 79 season, and they got there by beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 9 to nothing. Three field goals by Frank Corral got them to the Super Bowl. Yep. And it just I was taken back to that time. And, uh, yeah, thank you for letting me take this trip down Yeah, I was lane. sitting there yesterday watching some of that game. Not much of it, though, because it was, it was a hard watch. But when I saw those – you know, as I like to call them, Dodger blue tops with the yellow gold pants and the California sunshine. I said, you know what? The NFL got this one right. <laughs> the Rams right. belong exactly. Yeah, whoever. I mean, uh, Jeff Fisher couldn't have come up with that idea. So whoever told him to do that did a good thing. Hey, um, I haven't had a chance to look at this, and, you know, shame on me because it was on my mind. How many plays did the Carolina Panthers run against the 49ers yesterday? Because, you know, I want to I just – 
jump all over Chip Kelly sure. because that's what I do. I can give that to you right now. Yeah, they please. ran 78 plays, yeah. almost oh, 80. <laughs> yeah, 78 baby. plays. Good <laughs> grief. Um, so it should come as no surprise that the Panthers hung a late 15, uh, scored 29 points in the second half against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the co- college football is calling you. Okay, Chip Kelly, listen, don't get too giddy over that week one win because if this is what you're ordering up, I mean, your defensive players in San Francisco might walk out on you. I mean, they've already uh, – several of them already did that. You, Let listen, me they're going to go from Kelly. Harbaugh. Hold on. They're going to go from Harbaugh grinding the living piss out of them to this guy leaving them out there on the field for extended, oh, God, periods of time. I mean, you, if you're a 49er defensive player – you're looking hard at that insurance policy that you got with the league. Oh, yeah, but, you know, you say something, but let me ask you about Kelly. You keep saying college football's calling him. Has that time for him perhaps passed in college? And what I mean by that is it seems like what he started, which was very innovative, everybody's doing now. It's not really a surprise to anybody. Like before, you had to prepare for Oregon, but – Everybody's Oregon anymore. <laughs> oh, no, there's some everybody. sucker out there. There's some sucker out there that's going to bite. And, and if it isn't your school, which I don't think at all they should do, USC I'm talking about, oh, there's somebody in the Big 12 that just finds Chip Kelly really, really sexy, and they'll be ready to greet him with open arms uh, after this 49er season turns into a complete and total train wreck. Um, and and I, I, there's got to be someone in the Big 12 that'll take this on. Maybe it'll be Baylor. Yeah, I guess um, I guess you're right there. about that. But man, he just it doesn't seem like what he's doing now. Matter of fact, I think the pendulum will swing at some point, especially in college football, where somebody who's who's innovative sits down and says to themselves, "Hmm, everybody's running all back. these plays. Huddle. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll get a fullback, and because they're not really learned, they haven't learned how to defense this." I'll run the ball kind of like Stanford does, and I'll play hellacious defense, and I'll frustrate them. Maybe I'll do that. That See, that to me is the next pendulum swing in college football. A lot of the teams that get smart are going to say, you know what, enough of this. We're going to go back to winning games 31-20. Yeah, um, that might be the swing because defenses are, you know, finding ways to, you know, survive against this thing. So you got to start going the other way. Hey, Emil, don't sleep on my San Diego Chargers, friend. 38-14. Oh, I mean, you're San play Diego first, Chargers. They know how to play first-half football, okay? They know how to get that done. Fourth quarter, not so much, but uh, first half, they're going to put a foot up here, and you know what. 21 nothing. you're scoring. I'll tell you what, time, they right? have some issues there. I feel bad for that team because they played well the first two weeks. Granted, they fell apart against Kansas City, mm-hmm. but they're just going down like flies on their offense. Uh, Woodhead got hurt yesterday, week before. Uh, Keenan Allen, their number one receiver, got hurt. Uh, you wonder how much more can can they absorb in terms of losing key players, not just bodies, but guys that they were counting on. Don't take this the wrong way, but that Woodhead injury might even help San Diego because I think you need to invest a little bit more in your running game and your high draft pick in Melvin Gordon uh, you know that you had last year, and they did that yesterday, giving him the ball 24 times. Uh, he, he eclipses 100 yards. They may need to do a little bit more of that than you know some of the other gimmicky type stuff they want to do when Woodhead's in there. Just my thought. We'll have to see as this goes along. But l- let me let me just run this by you, okay? Let me shoot this up the flag. I know they fell behind rather quickly, down 21 nothing. Your leading rusher yesterday for the Jacksonville Jaguars was none other than quarterback Blake Bortles with three carries 
for 34 yards. Uh, T.J. Yeldon was the next highest guy. Uh, uh, seven carries for 28 yards. You ran the ball well, 11 times yesterday. Jack you know what? You I'm actually, I'm actually disappointed in myself for not making this a pick. Um, the more I thought about Jacksonville, all preseason, they were the sexy pick. Sure enough, the opener, they're home. They put up a good fight against the mighty Packers, and everybody's really excited about Jacksonville. And here they are saddled with a road trip all the way across the country to play a team that just squandered a 24-3 second-half lead. Um, you know, we should have seen that this was going to be a hornet's nest, and I think that's just kind of what a young team went into here. They just got they got behind early, they got slapped around, they got out of what they they they, they want to do supposedly, and uh, they had one put on them. I'm not sure we yeah, can take Jacksonville. Much of this game. It's Jacksonville going all the way out west, and and you know, um, I don't know if they're ready to be doing stuff like that yet. It's too much hyperbole uh, and too much hype right now around Jacksonville. That's going to fall off here. And the last thing to talk about before we get in our fantasy focus picks and our game picks uh, is, was a late-night game. Emil, uh there was a quarterback battle here, and the winner was Sam Bradford over Aaron Rodgers. Did that happen? You know, as I watched this game, I have to say, first of all, Bradford played really well. I mean, I, he made good decisions. Uh, There's something for uh, knowing Diggs that is, offense, by the way. Yeah, there is, and Diggs, Diggs is is the real deal. That that kid, you know, he went off nine for 182 yards. Uh, really good wide receiver for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you something. Every time I watch Bradford play, I just come away with the same impression. Like this guy is going down and not getting tape. up. Yeah, is it me or does he? Does he not? I'm I'm being serious now. I'm not trying to be funny. When you watch him, doesn't he look frail to you, or is it just me? He has a he has a he has a frail look. I will give you that. And not to be a dick, I mean this was a great um, this was a great game for him. Um, It's it's like what I was saying with with the University of Florida situation um, as they head into Tennessee. You got this quarterback. No one knows what to expect when he's back there. You don't have any film on him as a Minnesota Viking. So uh, he'll find some things that maybe he wouldn't find three, four weeks from now when people got tape on these guys. When I look at the box score, we got a problem, though, Emil. Uh, your leading rusher was Adrian Peterson, 12 for 19. He's going to be gone for some extended period of time. I don't know that you have another guy that you can really rely on back there. And even when I look at the passing game, it was Stephon Diggs, and then there was no one else. Nine catches for 182 yards. The next top guy... Uh, was 41 yards. So what Sam Bradford's going to have now going forward is they don't have the man in the backfield. And then when Stephon Diggs starts to draw some coverage, who's next to step up? I don't know. I mean, Well, there's Minnesota a couple Vikings. problems in Minnesota. Their, their offensive line is horrendous. I mean, they talked about it on the game, but Chris Collinsworth trying to you know spin it positively. Oh, these guys are maulers. They're run blockers. They're not really good in pass blocking. Well, Chris... Since most teams anymore are throwing the ball about 60% of the time, I'm going to say that's a problem. Now I have a quarterback that every time he looks like he gets sacked, I feel like I'm watching myself back there, Chad. Like he has the look of like you put a 48-year-old guy like me back there and had one of these big guys run into me, and I get up and I have this look on my face like, what the hell just happened to me? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Look, this was a great game. But Minnesota's defense is balling right now. Um, they've done a good job on that side of the ball, getting pass rushers, filling up that secondary with players. They're going to have to rely on them heavily going forward. Um, I don't know if I'd be a buyer of the Minnesota Vikings 
going forward. I think things are going to get a little thick for them. But can we talk about the Green Bay Packers here for a minute? Once again, the Packers have tried to put everything on the arm of Aaron Rodgers. They refuse to run the football the way that they should. You've got a big back, and I mean big. I mean, Eddie Lacy's still a cow, but he's getting 12 carries in a game. Emil, if you got a guy that looks like a, a three technique – uh, running the football, the thing to do is not give him the ball 12 times like he's uh, a speed back that's going to break a 60-yarder. You need to feed that guy. He needs to get in shape. Give him the ball 30 metaphorically, times. You, metaphorically, you need to feed him. He doesn't need to feed himself, let's be honest. Well, There's yeah, no more yeah. feeding don't, going on. With it. Don't, don't feed him, <laughs> you know, um, for sure. Don't give him a pizza, but give him the football Hand him this ball 25, 30 times. A, you get him in shape. B, he pounds the defense. And, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers can see some favorable coverages. But the Packers want to continue to throw the ball around. And I'm telling you, they're going to pay for it. It's just something about every time me looking at McCarthy as a head coach with the the damn play sheet in his hand and glasses on and a headset on. It's just between the glasses, the sheet in his hand, and the headset, it's like you're doing too much, man. Take the glasses off and remove well, the place. She just wear the headset and let someone else call. Can I say something that you may light me up for? Because I know you love their front office, and it's done a great job traditionally over the years. I'm not sure the Packer personnel is as good as people make it out to be. No, and at the wide receiver position, they need to fix that, especially if you're going to be tossing the ball around and whatnot. And you need a running back. Eddie Lacy can't push himself away from the table. They said all this about he was going to fix it in the offseason. Uh, the only thing he fixed was his pants up, up around his waist. Thankfully, this not falling off, but he's a cow. You need a running back. Yeah, I, listen, there's a few things. That, that offensive line got pushed around last night. They let go of that, that guard, and his name uh, escapes me. He was their starting guard last year, a young guy you know, in his mid-20s that most people were high on. He immediately got signed by somebody for a nice contract. I forget who. I wish I knew I should look this stuff up. But my point is their offensive line gets pushed around. They have a fat running back who, who you know, really isn't going to help that line much. Outside, I mean, Cobb's a nice player, but he's not a guy that's scaring you. And Jordy Nelson's coming off a major knee injury. And, again, he's not, he's not Julio Jones or A.J. Green or Des Bryant or Antonio Brown. He's a good player. So I'm not sure if you want to throw the ball around how you do that with an average to below average offensive line and not a lot of talent outside. Like you said, everything comes down to how good can Aaron Rodgers be. Right, and scramble around and buy time. Um, that's a lot of what's going on in their passing game. He's so good in the pocket dodging a rush that he buys you know, an extra two, three seconds to find someone breaking free in coverage. There was a lot of that last night. You know, uh, you're going to run into some good teams that don't give you those kind of passing lanes and let them run around like that. So we'll have to see. You know, having said all that, Emil, um, I, I don't know about Minnesota going forward with the injuries that they've had to the two best players uh, on their team uh, in Bridgewater and Peterson. The Lions are Lions. And, you know, uh, yeah, what are you going to get out of Chicago? So Green Bay may just, after all that, end up still winning the uh, NFC North. we got a couple callers on. Um, we're going to bring them on. At, but first, let's talk about – what we did here at, with the Fantasy Focus, a new thing that we're doing here on the Gridiron Stud Show, sponsored by FanDuel. And again, um, this FanDuel thing is a whole lot of fun. It's not it's not a season-long fantasy football contest. Each week, you jump back on and you get something new. Uh, you could build yourself a new team each and every week. So 
when you lose an Adrian Peterson and he's on your season-long fantasy football team, you don't have to go commit suicide or hold your head underwater. Um, you line back up and you do it again and you pick from what's available each and every week. And a couple of great new things that, that uh, FanDuel has put in this year is that you can create your own league and invite your friends and you can put the rules however you want them, pay pay out whatever you want to pay out. And, so, and then they also have some games for newbies. So you don't have to get in there against the professionals with their spreadsheets, Emil. You know how you accountants do it. You break everything down right, right. and you smash people with math because everyone hated math in high school. Um, so you can start off as a newbie and, and, and uh, beat up on some new guys if, uh, if you're a new guy. So um, let's talk about the fantasy focus and, and, the, and the players and things that we picked. We, you know, we do this every week. We pick three uh, well, I didn't do much. I didn't do much smashing at wide receiver yesterday because I said that I, I wanted to take a look at Deshaun Jackson against my Cowboys. Amazingly, the Redskins coaches, once again, were back to those coaches. They targeted Deshaun five times in the game. They threw more passes at Jamison Crowder. Uh, so Jackson had three catches for 40 yards. Uh, not what you're looking for, even though he, you know these were kind of sleeper picks, but not what you're looking for. And then you know, yeah, I, gave I would all have the expected more. I and that's more. that's a coaching issue with Washington. I expected more from Deshaun Jackson in this game. And to be quite honest with yeah, you, if they would have me. done what you expected. They would have probably beat your Cowboys. Well, they didn't, and I'm happy. But I'm not happy yeah, about well, the, the, the way it worked out. Now, I went well, to Larry Donnell. I figured that the, the, the Giants would throw the ball over the Saints. And this is, you know, by the way, Giant fans, you should be concerned about this. The defense looks great so far this year. But, mm-hmm. you know, the Saints' offense is, a defense is horrible. The Giants scored 16 points, seven on a blocked field goal. You put up nine mm-hmm. points against the Saints, a team the Raiders just hung 37 on. And you were home. Yeah, a bit a bit Larry Donnell. Yes, Larry Donnell gets four ball catches for 24 yards. Again, I expected him to be a factor in the red zone, but I guess when you only kick three field goals, you're not in the red zone very often or enough to use him or whatever the reason was. But he didn't help me. The only one that really panned out in my dark horses, if you, as you say, if you can call a quarterback a dark horse, I went with Arizona's Carson Palmer. Not always near the top of uh, the salaries of quarterbacks. He had a huge day against Tampa Bay. He was uh, 18 of 31 for 308 and three touchdowns. So that one worked out for you. If you listen, you could have saved some money uh, taking him in your, on your roster as opposed to, say, an Aaron Rodgers or a guy like that. And uh, Palmer had a huge yeah, day. Yeah, de- de- definitely the, the uh, best pick out of the three sleepers that you put up. Uh, if any of you out there took Jameis Winston because you were feeling really good about what he did in that opener against Atlanta. Woof, you got punched in the stomach. Throws four interceptions yesterday uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, On my side, I went with a a tight end because, you know, that's a hard thing to pick, especially if you're a newbie uh, on your fantasy football teams. Go with uh, Julius Thomas. I don't know if he had the best day of a tight end. I haven't had a chance to look in it. Decent day. Didn't find the end zone. That really would have helped. But he had four catches for 71 yards. Um, so I guess that's a decent amount of points you would have put up um, sure. if, if you went if you went with him and that one. And you know, like I said, anytime you can get anything out of a tight end, you feel really really good about it. In in you know in in games like this, so you get something out of that. Now uh, I also took the Ravens as a defense as a sleeper pick, and <laughs> like I said, I was following the game on the app. Uh, seven nothing, fourteen nothing, twenty to nothing. I was like, "Ooh, wow, uh, that's not going to be looking good." But they bowed their back, and uh, they ended up, you know, coming up with ten points. If you're if you're looking at it from a fan duel perspective, so um, you know, not 
Not the worst thing Not in the horrible. world. Not horrible. Not the no. best thing in the world either. No, 12 points actually they came up with. The biggest thing for me, though, was Cam Newton. I really felt like combined with the loss and the couple of shots he took upside the head that Cam might really go off. Oh, yeah, by the way, he was going to get a bunch of chances because they're playing the San Francisco 49ers, and I thought he'd get somewhere to 150 to 160 snaps <laughs> against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, he'd have plenty of chances to do something out there, and, and he did, picking up 30 points uh, in a FanDuel contest if you had him through four touchdown passes, uh, threw for 353 yards and added 37 yards rushing. I don't know if Cam's going to do as much running as he's done in the past since no one's trying to protect Cam. So um pleased with that. A big day for Cam Newton. You, you paid the price to get him, so um, 30 points there. So that's that's yeah, that. All right, I think our pick. callers dropped off here. They got tired of dealing with us. So you and I can roll into our picks, and we're going to do college and NFL here. So why don't you start off with yeah, the college Yeah, we apologize. That. We like, listen, we like callers, by the way, and uh, you know we're running a little tight here at the end. Uh, next, maybe on Friday's show, if those people want to call back, they can call a little earlier in the show, and we'll get them on. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Well, they were on hold for a while, so that's on, that's on me, but never yeah. mind. Um, let's slide into what we did in terms of our picks as we close out the show here. Talk about the college. We had a great weekend. Why don't we talk about overall what we were able to do? Overall, we were uh, nine and three for the weekend. Nine out of twelve uh, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I mean, if you could do that, um, you brought something home, put new tires on the car at least, or something. Yeah, yeah, you did okay for yourself. So, All right. why don't college we start football. College? How'd you do? Let's recap that. Yeah, I'll go first in college. You go first in pros. In college, I went all underdogs. We started you off with Michigan State catching eight against Notre Dame. That was an outright winner there. Uh, Michigan State won the game 36-28, no problem. So that was easy. Then we come along. We said, hey, you can't lay 14 points with LSU. For a while, I was nervous. Early third quarter, LSU was up 23-6 here. But uh, Mississippi State hung around and realized, you know what, if we just play solid defense – LSU can't move the ball, and the final ended up in 23-20 in this game. LSU hanging on for dear life. You got 14 in Mississippi State, so no problem. That was a win. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I went out west and tried San Jose State at home, getting 13 and a half against Utah, figuring it was a sandwich game. Utah had mm-hmm. just beaten our tribal BYU, and they have a Friday night game against USC. They were they were having none of that. They opened up early in this one. They were up by 24 and then finally won by 17, so I didn't get the cover there. So I finished 2-1 uh, and one this week in college football, getting my college record to 4-5 and five on the season. 4-5 and five for you. Uh, we're on the, road, on the road to recovery, let's say. Me in yeah. college football, Amo, I'm pissed. Pissed, and you know why I'm pissed. Took T- TCU minus 24. Uh, yet another week where I picked a team coming back from disappointment, thought they'd come out and really just – you know, dominate. And TCU came out and did that and fell asleep at the wheel in the end. And, uh, you know, I take an L by the slimmest of margins on that one. It's the only loss that I had for this entire weekend. It's just And very I'll, I'll be honest, I saw some of that game. I was home flipping through channels. I saw the fourth quarter of that game. They easily could have covered that game. Easily yeah, they give up 10 game. points in that final quarter. Um, and uh, sink my ship on that. I could have gone a complete 6-0 and this weekend. So let me get that negative part out of the way. Only loss I took, I went with Texas A&M. Uh, they're a better team than Auburn right now. I know folks want to yeah, – they like Auburn for whatever reason. And um, I just – you know, Auburn's struggling offensively. People have caught up with what it is that, you know, sure. Gus Malzahn does. So uh, Texas A&M, 
uh, goes in, wins 29-16 on the road, gets me the victory there. And then I already talked about the Oklahoma State and uh, and Pittsburgh game, back and forth, back and forth, like most Big 12 games. You had the big delay, and then Oklahoma State comes up with a big play at the end. Wins at 45-38, covers the four and a half. So I end up two and one, five and four thus far on the season in college football. So my head's above water in college football. Let's slide over to the NFL. Oh, you know what? You know, we do have a caller back. So before we jump into the NFL, because I want to close out with what we did yesterday in the NFL, it was mighty superb. Let's bring Les on. I think he wants to talk to us here. Les, how you doing, man? I appreciate your Lions getting me a victory on my picks this week. Man, what, what's going on? What's going on? I had to go there. I had to go there early and quick. Yeah, I know. Hi, Les. <laughs> your Lions getting Yeah. I appreciate Detroit. And you were in attendance to see this. What can you What can you tell us about that? Man, I don't want to be expensive. Other than Stafford you know, sucks, because we already, we already put that in for you. Yeah, he. I mean, you know, that, that tells a lot about. Well, the team played well. Uh, when the running back got injured, um, it was some big hits. Um, it was a good game up until the last minute. I mean, on a drive like that, the quarterback is uh, doing, uh, you know, un, uncanny things. Man, it's just sad. But it is what it is, you know. Hey, listen, that uh, that that NFC North is going to get pretty interesting. If Detroit can play some kind of football, they may benefit from some things that are going on with the two top teams in Minnesota and Green Bay. So if they could hang on and not be a total train wreck, maybe they could find their way uh, to the top of this thing. That, that uh, remains to be seen. Well, we didn't get picks from you this week, but let's just talk about college football in general. How do you feel about the Michigan State win over Notre Dame? I told you so. Yeah, you, you did say that. You did say that was going to happen. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, I know we you're. I thought going there and smashed them because they wasn't ready. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I think we made a great pick early in the season because all the all the hype that's going around and the five guys getting in trouble, and you would think the team would come together and play harder. Uh, they're they're not ready this year. <laughs> they're not ready. I can't see them playing well. I mean, Notre Dame will probably be an eight and eight team if anything. I mean, not eight, oh. eight but no. Yeah. Five hundred football four, team? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know about that. You went kind of strong there on that. Well, man, we're short on time. Look, I do want to ask good. you about this other Big Ten thing. Um, uh, Michigan struggling with Colorado there a little bit. Should we make much out of that, or just you know, um, a, a thing that happened? Well, as long as number twenty-six is standing on the sideline, their, their secondary is going to get exposed. They don't go to Jabil uh, Pepperside. They don't want to even touch him. Um, and like I said, they're moving him around like he's uh, he's Charles Woodson. So he's doing you know phenomenal things on both sides of the ball as a student athlete. Uh, but Michigan secondary looks real uh, skeptical. And who's ever watching that tape against Colorado, and everyone knows Colorado wasn't a good team last year, and they're going to have a great team because of the upper classmen that they have. But uh, Michigan was exposed Saturday. I mean, well, what was wrong? What, what, why was 26 on the sidelines? Help me out with that one. I didn't see the game. You know, I, I have no idea. I don't know. He's just standing there without his helmet. Uh, he hasn't had a chance to play. I don't know if it's something that he's healing from, from an injury or, you know. But 
I mean, he's a, he's their All American, and uh, when he's not on the field, people are attacking him. And I mean, let me two, ask you guys a question about Peppers. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. him. I I think he might be the best NFL prospect in college football this year. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. And I hate to say it like that because he's a he's he's a little sister guy. He got that damn yellow stripe on his helmet, but. Um, How do you use him, though, in the NFL? I don't know he's a guy that well, you can line up over and over outside, a, but is he more Tyron Matthew type? He's a he's a punt returner. He's a, uh, he's a nickel-dime guy, and he's going to come in and make plays for you instantly. I mean, the kid, I mean, he continued to make plays to help Michigan get, you know, get in that game and stay, you know, come back. And, you know, it's good to his uh, benefit. Yeah, cer- certainly. Yeah, I, mean, well, I, I think our, our just, I, I'm kind of like Wes. I think you could put him all over. I think you could just play play him in a bunch yeah, of different spots. Yeah, I think he's, he's probably a Tyron Matthew type guy, man. But uh, well, Les, we got to wrap our show up, man. Thanks for calling in. We expect to hear from you Friday. We know you're gonna have some good stuff for us. Man, I was trying to. Y'all have a good week. Uh, all right, take my man. care, Les. All right, that was Les calling in uh, from Michigan. Uh, Detroit was a disappointment, but uh, Michigan and Michigan State get the win. All right, let's talk about what we did in the NFL as we wrap up the final segment here on a on a weekend wrap Monday. Um, in the NFL, I usually go first, so let's talk about what happened there. I picked Tennessee against Detroit, as we talked about here with Les. Uh, I was a little nervous at first because Tennessee was off to another horrendous start offensively, not getting anything done. Um, but somehow, some way, Detroit, being Detroit, helped me out with that. And uh, you know what? For all the offensive struggles, Tennessee comes up with a big, long, I think, 93-yard drive at the end of the game. To, to uh, they were already covering at that point, but they went ahead and you know made it official. Go down there, score. That was and, that uh, was a nice pick. They got you the outright. Yeah, they did. They did indeed. Uh, I went nuts. I mean, I had to swallow hard to make this pick, but I took the Los Angeles Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. You know how I feel about Seattle and uh, what I think they're going to do this year. But when Seattle messes around, it's usually early on in the season. You had uh, said this to me about about Seattle. How in the world are they going to find points? And early on, there seems to be a big struggle here. Russell Wilson, you don't have a backup, so to speak, for him. But if you did, he probably doesn't play yesterday. He was less than what he is. I mean, he's a guy that has to move around a little bit, and he really yes. doesn't with that high ankle sprain. But they don't have – the weapons right now. Someone has to emerge and develop over there for them to get over the hump, or I'm going to take a L on that prediction of them getting to and yeah. winning the Super Bowls. Something needs to happen there, and they don't have Marshawn Lynch to just turn around and hand the ball to, to on third and ten and beat everyone up on the defense and get 11 yards. They don't have that, so um, they're going to have to do some things there. And then the Atlanta Falcons, uh, another pick you had to, uh, had to swallow a little hard on, but I just think off of a division loss, um, going out against an Oakland team, giddy off of a late, uh, a last-second win, I thought that was it was appropriate, and they went out and handled their biz. So I go three and zero, run my record to four and two in the end. That NFL. was very impressive, by the way, because you know what? When you use teams like that, and I think that that's something we all have to learn a little in the NFL if we can keep learning, because we've been doing this a long time. You have to tr- swallow hard a lot of times and take teams inside systems and things that you believe to be true, even if on paper it doesn't make sense. And that's what makes the NFL so hard. It's not like sure. handicapping college because it's hard. You're only getting four and a half points with the Atlanta Falcons in that game. You're not getting yeah, you have to think they're like going to win the game. You have to think they're going to win the game to make that pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, no, they were, they were three impressive picks. Good job. 
appreciate you, You're my four friend. You're 4-2 in gotta, the NFL. I've got to keep it going. Right? Keep so, it continuous, Sammy so Sosa says. You're nine and six overall, both combined. Very good, sixty percent. Um, I was two and one in the NFL yesterday. Did a good job myself. I took the Steelers. I just feel like right now I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, and I obviously if I'm picking them to go to the Super Bowl, they better be winning the home game against the Bengals, their biggest challenge in that division. Uh, and they did. They controlled the game. I really never felt nervous. They were giving three. They won by eight. But it felt like they won by more than that. They were up by 15 at one point. So that was an easy one. Uh, then I don't know what to make of the New York Giants. They're home. This game, when, uh, when I gave it out, it was four and a half. It ended up closer to three and a half at game time, which means the Saints, the Saints got money here. And while I'm hey, impressed, well, uh, I know Eli Manning threw for he threw for 368 in this game, you know, and I I'm, I was high on the Giants. I, I am high on the Giants. They're playing great defense. You you want to know what's bugging me though? They don't have that guy in the backfield, and that's obvious. Yeah. Looking at this game, they had they threw it 41 times in a game that was close. They didn't fall behind, so they didn't have to throw their way back into a game. He throws 41 times, 368 yards. That's against the Saints. If he's going to be, if this is what they're going to do offensively, then. I don't know if the Giants are going to really be what I expect them to be. They just don't have that. They they have a running back by committee thing going on, and no one's like the guy back there. That bugs me. Yeah, Mike. Like I said, you hit the nail on the head. Their their defense is much improved, but I'm concerned with the team that you know they open up the season. Sure, they're two and zero, but let's face it, they played a rookie quarterback week one, making his first NFL start. They won twenty to nineteen, and then yesterday they play a Saints team that got beat thirty seven thirty five at home by the Oakland Raiders the week before. And they, they beat them 16-13. I mean, at home, I expect that the Giants to come out and take care of the Saints in this game. So we well, got an angry Red team next week. We'll see what's up. We'll see. And then finally, I you know, I was with Cam, and Cam made this interting. You know, not Cam, but the this team took did. balls, though, they too, had a, by the way, Amol. I mean, given what happened in week one in the entire league, the NFL, where everything came down to a field goal, to uh, lay this kind of chalk was, yeah, you had to swallow hard on that one. I swallowed hard, but, you know, they, they, they were making me look good. I mean, they were up at one point in the second half, 35-10, to 10, and then all of a sudden they decide they're going to let the 49ers score 17 points in the fourth quarter. But thankfully, Cam must have had family that had the game because they worked real hard when it was 37-27 to make sure that they got above that number, and they did. They won 46-27. Yeah. So I'm 3-3 three and three in the NFL. And my overall record uh, for the season is seven and eight. So I'm uh, working my way over the Mendoza line. I'll get there next week. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna gradually slide your way into this thing. It's not how you start; it's yes. how you finish. But nevertheless, a great weekend overall for us on this whole pick thing. So um, um, we can appreciate that, and you fans out there better appreciate that too. We do appreciate you listening to us. We appreciate you making us a featured show on BlogTalkRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, for Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll see you guys on Friday, Football Friday. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. 
take control of your future. GridEyeStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 